Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. Welcome once again to Smart Simple Wealth. I'm Walter Storholtz alongside Carrie Qureshi, estate and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law and Wealth. Today we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of long-term care planning and can't wait to get to it. Carrie, it is great to be with you this week. How's life treating you? It's good. I can't complain, Walter. How, how's life treating you? Glad to hear that. I am well also, and uh, we're recording this at the beginning of uh, of May. So, you know, it's that time of year where it's it's warming up now, Carrie. The pool's going to be open soon, and uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to, to engage in those kinds of activities where eating a, a popsicle or some ice cream starts to taste extra good when it gets hot outside, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we always got to find a way to work food into the conversation. <laughs> right. We, we try our best, at least. Uh, we have a great show on the way today. Not only are we going to be talking about long-term care planning and the ins and outs of that, uh, we also have a great listener question that came in on the mailbag from George. And he's got questions about his retirement savings and all of it being in one IRA, wondering if that is enough diversification. So we'll dive into that a little bit later on in the show as well. Uh, plus, we'll get to know Carrie with one of our usual off-the-wall questions a little bit later on. But we'll get things started this week with an inspirational quote. Now, we don't know who said this. This is uh, an anonymous attributed quote here, Carrie. Uh, But the quote is, you know you're ready to retire when you think getting lucky means finding your car in the parking lot. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't, man, I might be ready to retire because I have that problem too. Oh, my goodness. That Uh, is too funny. That is too funny. Yeah, uh, that one just makes you chuckle, all sorts of... uh, You could probably replace a lot of things like, you know you're married already when it's, you know, getting lucky means that you found your car in the parking lot or all sorts of different uh, different things there. So I like that. Too funny. Good little uh, laugh to start off the show today. All right. um, Let's talk about the ins and outs of long-term care planning here, Carrie, because about half of people turning age 65 are going to require some type of paid long-term care in their lifetimes. That's what the stats show us. And on average, we've got the data that women will need 3.7 years of care, while males will, on average, need 2.2 years of care. And the cost of nursing home care in a private room has now passed the $100,000 per year mark. And in major urban areas, the health care costs can run even higher than that for any sort of long-term or, uh, you know, those, those private room-type situations, which is just astronomical to think about. Yet despite those daunting figures or possibly because of them, Many people, I know you see this all the time, delay installing a long-term care plan. So we want to talk about why that is and then get into some of the ins and outs of long-term care planning on the show today. I imagine the first question, the first thing that comes up, Carrie, is just sort of like that, oh my gosh, how will you pay? How are you going to pay for all of that stuff for over $100,000 a year in some of those cases? Right. And and we see this topic come up more and more, you know, these days in, in taking care of our older parents. You know, how do we pay? And the cost, like you mentioned on these stats, is, is staggering because the long-term care expenses are going up at a pace faster than normal inflation. And so we, we, we have to have these conversations ahead of time to plan. And, you know, there are different options on how do we pay for this. And so the first one that's the most obvious is to use your own money, right? To, to, to earmark a, a bucket, you know, whether that's coming from a 
an IRA or cash account, but it's basically you pay your own way. But that doesn't always work for everybody. And so the second option we see a lot is to buy long-term care insurance. And there's a couple different versions of long-term care insurance. One of the older versions is what we call use it or use it insurance for long-term care. And that's simply where you would pay the insurance company a premium every single month. And if you needed long-term care, they would provide the coverage based on the policy. But if you never needed care, well, you don't get any money back, right? That's just money flushed down the toilet. And so now we've seen sort of these hybrid policies come about. Um, They're also called asset-based insurance. And what's so great about this type of insurance is that if you don't end up using it for long-term care coverage, there is a cash value there. You can go and pull money out to spend for retirement or, or, or whatever you want. And if you don't ever need it, then it acts like a normal insurance policy. You name it, you know, a, a beneficiary and it is a death benefit to your heirs. So we we see those policies being better than kind of that older traditional long-term care insurance. Another option is to see if Medicare will cover some part of expenses. And we hear this a lot um, from, from clients, but that's a common misunderstanding that Medicare is really a good solution because Medicare only covers a max of 100 days, and that's not even at 100%. So Medicare is not a good solution. The fourth option is Medicaid. And Medicaid is basically, you know, the government's medical welfare program. Um, It actually pays for about 50% of the nursing home costs at this point in time. But Medicaid is means tested. So, you know, it's supposed to be available when there's no assets are available from any other source, right? And so we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, And then the fifth option is the veteran's aid and attendance program. And that is for qualified veterans. And and there's some qualification there, Um, but definitely a good option if you or your spouse is a veteran. I've definitely got some follow-ups, but I think, uh, yeah, you're going to cover them when we dive a little bit more deeply into that Medicaid part of the conversation, because a lot of people do default that difference. Um, what about, like, you know, some people don't want to do all the pre-planning for long-term care, and, and so they're just like, I'll default or I'll do it later, or I guess would that be sort of like emergency planning that people are doing at that case? Like, it's just, I don't know, where do you differentiate between just planning for an emergency versus doing some pre-planning for long-term care? Right. And, and and that's a great question. I mean, for us in our office, we differentiate Medicaid long-term care pre-planning and emergency planning. And um, the line is five years in advance. If we have five years or more, ideally, before you needed to go into assisted living um, or, or a nursing home, we call that pre-planning. And what is so great about pre-planning is as long as we still have five years, then we can typically protect 100% of your assets from Medicaid spend down. What happens is if we have less than five years where we have a client call and say, okay, you know, we have six months or maybe a year before we're going to need to qualify for Medicaid, we call that emergency planning. And with emergency planning, there are not as many options and we can't protect 100% of the assets. It's more like protecting 50, 
to 60% of the assets because we're going to have to have some spin down. Um, you know, maybe there's some penalties involved with, with Medicaid. And so um, definitely, if, if this is on your radar, we need to be looking at pre-planning. We need to be planning five years or more out. That's helpful, that distinction between the two. All right, can we get more details on those Medicaid uh, limits and sort of what's involved in that part of the process? Yeah, yeah. And so for the clients that want to be able to qualify for Medicaid care, there are some really important numbers and some important definitions that I want to share with listeners today. And the first is um, the difference between assets and income. Okay, so for Medicaid, we talked about it being means tested. For means tested, you have to have a limited amount of assets and a limited amount of income. And so for an individual, an individual cannot have assets over $2,000 to qualify for Medicaid. And there are some exemptions. For example, your 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 primary residence, your home, that is an exempt asset. So that doesn't count towards the $2,000. Um, there's a vehicle exemption. But, you know, bank accounts, IRAs, uh, CDs, all of that is going to count as assets. So that's a $2,000 limit for individuals. For a couple, if both of them are needing care, that asset limit is $3,000, which is still really low, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're not talking about a huge increase there. Yeah, Yeah, so that's not very helpful. Um, But besides assets, the other thing we look at for Medicaid is income. Okay, we have to be under the income cap. And the income cap says that a person qualifying for Medicaid cannot have more than $2,523 in income per month. Okay, so if you made more than that, then Medicaid will not accept you without any additional planning. Um, The only exception to that income cap um, is something called a personal needs allowance. Um, And in Arkansas, that's $40 a month. And Medicaid says that you can keep, keep that amount. And that does not go towards the cost of your care. All right, very good. So a lot of uh, a lot of little nuances there. In other words, relying on Medicaid is really, I mean, that, that's your last case scenario kind of thing. I mean, that's just really not something people are going to be uh, running into if they're at least starting with any sort of like considerable assets. Well, it, it really depends. Um, it's really not our first go-to. Um, normally, we try to look at a financial product, like I mentioned earlier, some type of long-term care insurance or a hybrid approach. Um, but ideally, the best kind of scenario for us in planning is to use a long-term care policy and the Medicaid planning in conjunction. And, and what I mean by that is if we were meeting with a healthy individual, um, you know, that didn't have an immediate need for long-term care, we would look at purchasing a five-year long-term care insurance policy. And the reason we pick five years is really important because Medicaid has a five-year look-back rule. Um, and what that five-year look-back rule means is if you make any gifts or transfers um, within that five years, Medicaid will basically penalize you for giving away those assets because they say, you know, really those assets could have been paid for for long-term care, but here you just gave them away to somebody, so we need to penalize you for that. But what happens with the long-term care insurance, and the reason why we'd pick five years is because if on day one, we had a client that needed to go into care or needed to start 
paying for long-term care, we would start using that insurance policy. And that insurance policy would pay for the next five years. But also at that same time, we would start doing some Medicaid planning and we could actually create a Medicaid trust. We could transfer all of the assets into this Medicaid trust or whatever we wanted to. And at the end of that five-year period when long-term care insurance runs out, says, hey, you've exhausted your policy, um, we've cleared that five-year look-back rule. So now our Medicaid trust is in effect. All of those assets are 100% protected. And although we've exhausted our long-term care insurance policy, now Medicaid starts picking up the tab. Um, and, And so for us, that is a great combination of planning to just make sure that, you know, we've preserved those assets for, you know, the the spouse that may be living at home, maybe the children or grandchildren, if you're trying to pass on farm ground or any type of asset, um, you know, for us, that's the ideal approach, assuming, you know, it makes sense for that particular client. Very helpful across the board there, Carrie. Any final tips for long-term care planning that we should be aware of? I think the first one is, you know, just to start early, Um, you know, don't let this catch you off guard. We need to gauge the likelihood of needing care. Some clients are going to know just based on family history or health conditions, they may be in long-term care longer or just have a higher need. And so just be aware of that. And then the second thing is to really get your arms around the cost. You know, what is this going to cost in your area? Um, Because it is different depending on where you're located. And also to make sure you factor in inflation because inflation, you know, on these um, long-term care costs are are very high. So make sure if you do have a policy, you have inflation protection or something like that. I'd also say to look at different options. You know, we talked about financial products, you know, and insurance. We also talked about the legal side of planning. So like a Medicaid type of trust. Um, And finally, you know, work with a qualified elder law attorney um, and and advisor because this area um, of planning is just full of traps for the unwary and uneducated. And, and, And so if you work with somebody that doesn't do this all the time, they could really make some big mistakes, cause you penalties, and in the end cost you a lot of money. Um, when we're trying to preserve assets and still pay for long-term care. Very helpful. And again, if you have any questions about something you've heard on today's show, if long-term care planning has been something that has confused you or maybe you've been fearful of having to tackle or worry about it in the past or maybe it's just something you've never even gotten into, uh, you could certainly give Carrie a call. It's all part of the process at Qureshi Law and Wealth. And you can get in touch a couple of different ways. Very easy. 870-275-275. 4304 is the number to call, 870-275-4304, or you can go online to QureshiLaw.com. Something else that would be very helpful to you, again, it's all part of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning into one, but get a copy of the book Bad Advisors. If you're listening to today's show, this is a great opportunity to get your hands on uh, this book, and we're doing a special giveaway today. book will open your eyes to some of the most common advice advisors give and how following bad advice can destroy your wealth and peace of mind. 
It's called Bad Advisors, How to Identify Them and How to Avoid Them. And this is from uh, Rocky DeFrancesco, a, a colleague in, of course, the legal industry, disclosing the real motivation of many bad advisors and explaining in detail why most advisors have built-in biases that sort of taint their advice. So this will add to some of the education that we have for you here on Smart Simple Wealth. The book will be dedicated to readers who are trying to determine if they currently have bad advisors and how to identify a good advisor to use in the future. So if you want to get a copy of that book, again, Bad Advisors is the name of the book, you can go to that website we gave you, com, and request it there. You'll see where you can do that. Or you can give us a call at that number, 870-275-4304, and we'll hook you up with a free copy. Just mention you heard about the book Bad Advisors on the podcast, and Carrie will get you all set. Be sure to pick that up. It's getting to know you time. All right, it's time to get to know Carrie a little bit better on today's show. And uh, Carrie, I've got a good one for you this time around. What website do you visit most often? What's that number one uh, thing that pops up when you go and open up your browser and it like, you know, our, our computers and our phones tell us right away where we want to go, right? Oh, yeah. Or we just like always have that browser, that tab open. It's just always time. open. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't cheat. Don't be like my email or something like that. You know, give us an actual oh. site. Oh no, 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 like that this is super easy for me. I mean, I immediately thought of an answer. Um I'm I'm bad about ordering stuff from Amazon. Um ah, it's just yes, so yes. convenient. I have Prime. I'm busy with the kids. I don't want to run to the store, you know, for every little thing. I mean, so I'm constantly ordering stuff from Amazon. Um it is my go to. Um, you know, the subscribe and save, like the monthly stuff set up. I mean, that's I just dangerous. Little things. If it you are is. leaving that browser open, that's dangerous territory. <laughs> yeah, but it's so it's so convenient. It really saves me so much time. Um, so yeah, I would say Amazon is like <laughs> the number one. Um, what about you? What what's your mine is uh, really embarrassing. It's it's a weather message board. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's 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 probably the nerdiest thing I do. So there's a message board that I follow very closely that follows weather in the South. And so it's just all about like tracking severe storms and hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that and snowstorms in the winter. So, yeah, yeah. I, we have other f- topics that, we, you know, are discussed on there, but mostly I follow it for the weather updates and tracking storms. And yeah, it's it's pretty nerdy. But now are there like <laughs> other professionals on there or is it more just like people that like studying the weather? It's a mix. Like- it's a mix. So there's actual meteorologists that are on there all the way down to just to- total amateurs and people that just like the weather. And so there's yeah. there's a mix of uh, expertise on the site, if you will. So that's cool. That's really cool, though. Yeah, it's really neat. So I don't know. It's just like anything else on the internet. It's like uh, it's it's a community, right? So it's uh, a, a group of other people that you know geek out over cool weather events. And then while we're all geeking out over that, we can you know other stuff is talked about. I don't do much talking. Uh, I just like you know reading the opinions and guidance of other people. But okay. It's it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Anyway, Nerd Hour is over. Uh, there you go. That's my <laughs> that's my number one most visited site. Uh, so cool. Uh, more coming up on the show. In fact, we're going to answer one of your questions coming up on the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, today's mailbag question comes from George in Piggott. And George says, I have all of my retirement savings in one IRA. Should I move some of it somewhere else to be diversified? Okay, yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, I would just say that 
diversification doesn't really come from a different number of accounts. So just because you have one IRA doesn't necessarily mean you're not diversified. We work with a lot of clients that have one IRA. What we have to do is is, is peel back the layers and look at what is that IRA holding, um, what types of funds, you know, mutual funds, ETFs, you know, to really look at diversification. So Yes, you can be diversified in one IRA. We just really have to look at it closely. So it's not necessarily you need multiple IRAs or multiple you know, a- accounts. It's looking at that other layer. It seems like you also hear this question in the reverse a lot, right? Like, hey, I've got um, seven IRAs. Am I yes. diversified? Yeah. And it may all seven IRAs. I've seen a lot of times where it holds the same account or the right. same holdings. Right. So the answer and still have multiple is no. Accounts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you have the same different fund that that advisor sold you and you just own it in multiple accounts. And so there is no diversification or it holds all, you know, a company stock like Walmart or Nucor or something like that. And there's not enough diversification. So yeah, we really have to look, you know, below that account level and actually look at the underlying holdings. And so, you know, we, if we had an investment statement, we actually have some really, you know, detailed software that ties into Morningstar where we call it a, a portfolio MRI, right? So it's like a an MRI or x-ray looking underneath the hood to see, you know, diversification, to look at fees, look at performance over the long term. So that's a pretty cool tool for us to, to look at with our clients. That is pretty neat. Well, a great question. Thanks, George, for sending that one in. And you can submit your questions by emailing Carrie. Carrie at CoratiLaw.com is the email address. And again, if you've got any questions about your life, legal, or estate planning, financial planning, you want to integrate all these things together, uh, that's the type of planning that Carrie does each and every day for her clients. You can get in touch through the website, CoratiLaw.com, or by calling 870-275-4304. And don't forget to request your copy of the book, Bad Advisors, How to Identify Them and How to Avoid Them. Carrie, thank you for the help on the show this month. Really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll look forward to a new episode in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Walter. All right. That's Carrie Coratia. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time right back here on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe. Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.